Brad and Jeff shouldn't have a podcast. We shall pay any price. Welcome to Brad and Jeff Shouldn't Have a Podcast. I'm Brad Pahigian. And I'm Jeff Andres. Absurd, moronic, and downright ridiculous is brought to you by To Die For Tees, specializing in all of your tie-dye needs. From now until December 12th, custom orders are available from sizes baby to plus. It's made just for you. You pick the size, colors, and design. Shipping is free. Place your order at 2-T-O-D-Y-E-4-F-O-R-T-T-E-E-S.com for that perfect holiday gift. You can also find them on Facebook, To Die For Tees. All right, Jeff, we're going to start off with the Austin mayor who told citizens to stay home while vacationing in Mexico. Our friend here, Steve Adler, he had a pre-recorded message for the people of Austin telling them to stay home, do everything you can to try and keep the numbers down. This is not a time to relax. We have to close things down if we're not careful. When he aired that, he was in Cabo San Lucas with his family, extended family, of at least 20 people. So, Jeff, this is another example of politicians that love to tell you what to do but those rules don't apply to them it, it the, the whole thing it, it's it's a crazy situation especially you'd think he just saw what happened with the denver mayor you know or you know you're in the public spotlight because you're doing you know in most states like we have it here you know you're having weekly daily you know press conferences with the people so the people are very aware of what's going on and they they know what you're doing so for this guy to pull this stunt and say, oh, you know, be vigilant, stay home. And then not only to post this message at all, but to post it from your timeshare in another country is absolutely absurd. I, I, I'm shocked. It's asinine. And, you know, the, the best part is like he said he didn't violate his own orders and he consulted with health officials before the trip. And I, I think to say something like that, you're, he's totally missing the point. You know, and then but later he apologized and regretted his actions. So it's like, which one is it? Like, you obviously apologized, Steve, because you got caught. Right. That's what all these are all hollow apologies. Oh, yeah. He's as upset he got caught. I mean, he he's not sorry. He's just using his power. Like we talked about with the Denver mayor. I mean, Denver mayor sending a tweet from the airport saying people to stay home before he gets on a flight. And then this guy takes it a step further. He's already there. He's already there when he's issuing this statement. It's just another abuse of power by someone who thinks they're untouchable. And then what do you do? What do all politicians do? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They just, it's, it's fake. It's, it's hollow. It's, it's gross. We'll keep updating folks on, on this, but this is becoming a pattern every week where we have a new politician that thinks the rules don't apply to them. And so moving on, <laughs> this one, I I can't really tell if this is serious or not, but a, a Kazakhstani bodybuilder married a sex doll. Uh, this gentleman, his name is Yuri Tolochko, 
Uh, apparently, they had been dating, again, question marks, for eight months before he proposed a year ago. And they finally got married. Now, Jeff, this gentleman's a bodybuilder. I, I just get the, uh, you know, the whole suspicion here is that this is just for publicity. What do you think? Is this guy just tragically mentally ill or is this just for attention? So, I mean, in 2020, I think anything is possible. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know how much, uh, you know, how much uh, breaking news comes out of Kazakhstan these days, you know, besides the Borat, you know, films that come out every every 10 years or so. Which they finally uh, embraced. So I wonder if, you know, this is the next big thing for Kazakhstan. Or- maybe. Maybe this is the next Borat film. I bet I bet Sasha Baron Cohen's so mad right now. He was if he, if he would have just hold, held out a little bit longer to release his movie, maybe he could have he could have right? fit like, this in. And this goes back a ways too, though. So they didn't get engaged until December of last year, and then I guess they had been courting each other prior to that. I, I honestly, you know, this was filled with hashtags and stuff on social media, and I just I have to think that this is for attention and you know maybe something else we'll be finding out about this gentleman you know i don't know what maybe he has a product that he'll be selling to us in the future but it's just so ridiculous the more that i look at this and the more i read into it and this has been picked up by numerous outlets i just i just shake my head at it oh of course i mean he even writes the reason i think it, it it's something mental uh, it's because he actually talks about, I guess he told the Daily Star that he actually delayed it, uh, delayed this wedding because he was in a he got attacked at a transgender transgender rally, uh, and he, which, which he suffered a concussion and broken nose. So it's not like something this wasn't spur of the moment. He was supposed to get married. It looks like previous to this and due to injuries because of the rally. Did um, his relationship have anything to do with the rally? Was he implying that he was part of the lgbtq community or what i'm I'm not was he trying was there a reason for this attack he said he was what it says is he was he was dressed as a woman for the event it doesn't really go into details i don't think he expressed too much is what i can see uh this is like an onion you just keep peeling back the layers i feel like and you just you, you can get lost down the rabbit hole yes i mean and then i mean the biggest thing is you look at the the end of the you know the article or the articles uh, that we've seen, and it shows the requirements for you to get married in Kazakhstan, and you just have to be consenting partners over eighteen. Um, it doesn't mention dolls. You, you don't have to marry, you know, a human. It looks. Does she like. have a birth certificate? Uh, I don't. <laughs> I don't believe so. Um, I'm shocked you have to be eighteen in Kazakhstan. Quite frankly. Yeah, right. And, and maybe maybe from, she has a birth sticker from the toy store she came from. Um, but yeah, it says no mention of whether dolls are included in the article I'm reading now. Uh, so I guess you can marry anything there, which is, I guess, good for him. Happy for him. God bless. Uh, the A Kentucky mayor fell asleep at a White Castle drive-thru and then crashed into a pole. This story... I feel like we can all kind of relate with because quite frankly, you know, when you're at a fast food place around 11 o'clock, nothing good could possibly come from that. Um, this woman's name is, uh, she's, she's the mayor of Shively, uh, Kentucky. 
and this was the responding agency was the Louisville Metro Police. Uh, Beverly Chester Burton had smashed her Cadillac into a pole as she was leaving the White Castle at 11 p.m. This just sums up, you know, 2020. Uh, she did fail a sobriety test and couldn't walk. So obviously that's a no-no. Um, but Jeff, like, I just feel like this, in the grand scheme of 2020, this just it seems like par for the course. Oh, oh, 100%. The thing that confuses me is you being a mayor, I mean, I don't know how big, uh, you know, the place she's a mayor of, but don't you have your own driver? Or don't you have some sort of service that if you happen to have too many drinks, they're like, hey, we'll drive you to avoid public shame? Well, I think uh, we all have that, Jeff. It's called ride sharing. <laughs> well, true. Very true. But, you know, they don't want to pay for it. So maybe they can put it on the uh, taxpayer dollars. But um, this whole story is 2020, like you said. I can't believe, you know, with every you, you know that everyone's home watching the news for, you know, like coronavirus things like this is going to get picked up because people are actually watching you know people are at home uh people are online more it's just i don't understand these people just make better decisions it's ridiculous agreed by the way there's about fifteen thousand people in shively so i'd say this is going to be pretty major news um and all things that go on in that particular area especially at a white castle that's just like you said 11 o'clock at a fast food place that's nothing of trouble You've seen, I've seen plenty, the Taco Bell on 44 near where, where we live, that place is around the corner and you, people can't navigate that, that turn of the drive through Cause you know, they're leaving the bar. So it's, it's, oh yeah. Friday and Saturday, always <laughs> lit at the drive through at from between like 11 PM and 3 AM. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Not a sober person in any of the cars. It's yeah, not it's a bad, chance. Bad news. Eight people have now died from drinking hand sanitizer at a Russian party. This story, first of all, is ridiculous for a couple of reasons. So the first, the fact that eight adults were drinking, and actually it's more than that, just eight of them happened to, to pass away, unfortunately. But this is insane to me, especially because th- these are parents. So there's now children that are orphaned. I cannot, for the life of me, figure out what prompted them to do this. Now, Jeff, you and I talked about this a little bit, you know, You'd think that vodka would be readily available, but it seems like maybe they were, you know, drinking this to get intoxicated. What do you make of this? This story, I've read it probably five times now, and I'm more confused every time. Um, I The only thing I can think of with this is, I mean, obviously, with the methanol inside of uh, hand sanitizer, you can drink it. Um, I mean, this... Um, this particular sanitizer that this guy who's giving to them had more methanol than usual. So I don't know if for some reason, because it says it's a village. So I don't know what that a village means in Russia. I don't know if this is kind of out in the middle of nowhere. They don't have access to vodka, which I, I find strange because I feel like it's everywhere there. Um, I don't really know what to wrap my head around it. It's This is an insane story. I find it interesting. So it says the legal limit for methanol and hand sanitizer is just 3.5%. And this was 69% methanol, but they drank it. So like, we're not talking about topical burns or anything. They literally drank it. And so this, the ages varied um, from 27 to 69. Um, there's nice. now numerous children that now don't have parents here which is quite sad. The other part I thought was odd is that they arrested the 
sanitizer dealer, if you will. Uh, this It's his businessman, <laughs> Alexander Kalanin, 44, was arrested for supplying the sanitizer, which had been tracked to kindergarten schools, businesses, and a jail. He's currently being held under house arrest while an investigation is carried out. He's facing six years in jail if convicted. But I feel like if that, you know, if you went down to the the Speedway gas station and you drank the gasoline instead of putting it in your fuel tank, I don't think that we're arresting the the attendant at the Speedway. No. This whole thing, this is another story where you keep reading it and the more you get more confused than when you went into it. Yeah, I mean, th- this reminds me, uh, the reason he got arrested, be- because it had too much methanol, which you're saying, why should he drink it? Why are they drinking it? You're correct. They shouldn't be drinking it. It is very sad. Those kids are, you know, without parents now. It reminds me of like, you know, going to Dunkin' Donuts, getting a hot coffee, and it says, caution, hot. Obviously, you got a hot coffee, but there's people out there who, you know, you we know, all know why hot, that label's on there now, Jim. Right. Spill a hot coffee and, oh, I'm, I'm making some money. So I feel like this is the reason for it. It's to avoid this situation from happening. Um, I wonder if, if, I don't know if any of the attendees survived. Like, I don't remember that part. I believe I wonder, someone survived but will now be blind, which is the effect of consuming right. methanol. So I wonder if they're going to get a payout for this, too. Um because it had too much, even though they drank it, which would be 2020 in a nutshell. You know, you, you drink hand sanitizer and somehow you make money off of it. Um, Wild thought, which is why anytime you see a warning label, that means somebody sued them previously. Bingo. Well, moving on to Ohio, the Ohio High School Athletic Association released their requirements for players and coaches amid the pandemic. Uh, In specifically regards to wrestling, the students can wrestle each other, but they are not allowed to shake hands before and after the match. This is one of those situations where we are just putting in rules to make it look like we're doing something. They are wrestling on the mat, but they can't shake hands. Jeff, am I missing something here? I think we're all missing something here. I don't know what the state of Ohio is is trying to get out here. I mean, they say they're trying to protect the the, the referees and the um, and the the participants. I, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Um, they have you know the. T- these these kids are with each other all the time. Like it says, one of the rules too is all those on the team bench need to be six feet social distance. It's like they're on the same team. They're practicing, right? Against yeah, each other. Yeah, you're gonna tell me. Like I understand. I mean, I know high school age. Um, you know, those kids are the ones you see all the time getting in trouble for still partying, thinking this is a hoax. So I understand implementing rules at this time to try to combat that, but you're gonna let them just wrestle on each other for you know i don't know how long a wrestling is a match is but then they can't shake hands after like the damage is done that's like saying you play football and you can tackle someone but you can't shake their hand after the game you've already you know you've already been in close contact it's it's over at that point you got it you got it well and especially to your point it's so another caveat of this it says that student athletes must also sanitize their hands before 
and after warm-ups at all timeouts and period breaks anytime they leave they leave the competition or practice mats okay so if that's in place what is why can't they just sanitize and then have a handshake line at the end of the the match I, I, that doesn't make any sense right no it doesn't make any sense at all none of this makes sense and i i, I laugh at the last part where uh whoever wins the match with an open hand has to raise their own arm like they're, <laughs> like, like they're the queen of england waving to the crowd going down the down to the uh down the whatever that place is called in london um which is funny like, because if, if you've ever seen a wrestling match the the referee's face is just all up in there body right like yeah. he's his face is right in the action right you know he's on the mat on like on all fours if they are so yeah. you know the fact that he can't even raise their arm is just absurd yeah i mean those you see you hear immersa outbreaks in wrestling like all the time it's it's a thing you know sure. that's where they wear long sleeves during practice to try to combat that stuff because it's so prevalent so it's like so <laughs> You think this is going to stop, like, you know, raising someone else's hand after wrestling someone is going to stop him from getting coronavirus? Like, what are we doing here? What are we doing? This is why Ohio is referred to as the Florida of the Midwest. And they won. They win that title uh, for sure. Agreed. All right, Jeff, let's do some national sports. Who is this segment sponsored by? So this segment is sponsored by Jalen's Cafe. Uh, it's located at 414 West Grove Street in Middleborough in the A-Prime gas station. Uh, Jalen's offers a selection of homemade specials daily uh, where you can find them on, you can find them on Facebook. Uh, give them a call today at 774-213-5153. Uh, I would say to everyone, this, is, this place is a hidden gem of Middleborough. Uh, the surrounding areas, I know people far and wide have, have come to visit him. Um, Go check it out. I mean, he's got food for everyone, uh, from pizzas to subs to empanadas and Jamaican beef patties. Um, and if you don't know what a Jamaican beef patty is like me when I went in there, just try it. It's amazing. Don't be scared off. It's in a gas station. It's totally legit, and it's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Jesse, the owner, he's a great guy. It's uh, the, it's named after his son. His his son is uh, two years old, a little bit older than my daughter. Um, so it's it's in honor of him. Uh, he's alive. Don't. <laughs> I'm not saying it's in honor of like he passed away. He's he's alive, um, and it's it's a great place. Everyone go check it out. The Paul family is getting back in the ring. This time, Logan Paul is going to fight Floyd Mayweather. Now, again, when I first saw this, I was a little confused because I thought, you know, after Jake Paul's knockout, that this was originally going to be his fight. But no, this is. Logan Paul, the brother, who has fought only once, apparently last year, against another YouTube personality, he won in a, uh, I'm sorry, he lost in a split decision, but he's kind of one of the greatest boxers in the history of the sport. Mayweather, who's 50 and 0 with 27 knockouts, is fighting a YouTube personality. Jeff, is he a dead man? I, what, what, what is this? Yeah, I mean, what I don't understand what the purpose of this is. Um, I mean, I like the idea of the Tyson fight, I and mean, that was between two professional, two of the best. Yeah, yeah, two of the best to do it. I mean, even even uh, Mayweather McGregor, I was like, eh. I mean, this is all right. I mean, I know McGregor had some boxing experience previous, very very minimal. He knows how to throw hands, right? Like at that, right. at least. <laughs> I was like, even that one, I was like, 
uh, I'm going to watch it, but like, uh, this doesn't feel right. This one just seems, what are we doing here? It's just a circus show. Um, I don't see the benefit to this. What's it going to prove? Well, money. We know why. Well, like money. But <laughs> so we like, don't know the full details, though. Now, this is an exhibition. I'm willing to think that there could be some more safety rules than the Tyson exhibition had. I wonder if we may see headgear come out for this. This is not going to be until February 20th. So there are more details to come. I just I don't see how you could. I mean, there is going to be a bit of a size advantage for for Paul and just like there was for his brother against A. Robinson. But I I have to think that a man like Floyd Mayweather can't just fight a guy from YouTube without there being some extra safety precautions in place. Oh, yeah. I mean, he could kill him. If there's no headgear. Absolutely. Legitimately, he could kill him. He could legitimately kill him. Especially how, I mean, Mayweather is still pretty quick for his age. I think he's 44, I believe. I might be, I'm pretty close there if I'm wrong. I mean, he can still. just fought two years ago, right? I mean, this this isn't somebody that, like Mike Tyson hadn't fought in 15 years right and he's gonna wear paul out and he's gonna he if he hits him good like it could be bad uh i mean i would really suggest for logan paul to have headgear as a necessity i mean he could still kill you with, with that headgear on because i mean he can still hit so um i i don't i don't understand why this is happening do you want to end up like nate robinson that dude's a human meme factory now and um, it's is that what you want like, that's unfortunate yeah i mean the uh attractive uh price is interesting so they're trying to play this up with an interesting caveat to the the way this works so the first 1 million buys will cost only $24.99 but then the price increases after that so starting February 11th it jumps to 69.99 which is absurd to me that's only five dollars less than the recent uh, Spence Garcia fight, which is real boxing. So I'm, I'll tell you what, I'm in at twenty four ninety nine. What about you, Chad? Oh, I'm so in. Uh, <laughs> and just for the meme factor alone, uh, like I need it. Like inject it right into my veins for twenty five dollars. Yeah, I mean, it's like you. YouTube stars are so big. I mean, this is going to be talked about. Whatever happens in this fight, I mean. I, I can't say Mayweather. There's no way Mayweather's going to lose. I would be shocked. Unless, oh, he, has to, unless he, has to, he has to box on his knees or something. Like, he, he's not allowed to stand up and box. Like, there's just no way. So, for $24.99, oh, count me in. I, I would love to watch this. Agreed. Hands down. We'll, we'll have to get it together for this. Oh, yeah. And maybe we'll do, maybe we could do a little live, uh, a little live broadcast during that. Yes. I think that would be fun. That's a great idea. Let's do a live broadcast of this, this murder. We'll give the people what they want. <laughs> uh, my second least favorite defensive coordinator was fired. Greg Williams got canned by the Jets after an absolutely terrible ending to the Raiders game. And when I say second, the only the only defensive coordinator I hate more than Greg Williams is Jim Schwartz, who was just also recently embarrassed after calling out DK Metcalf and Metcalf just went off for like 200 yards. But Jeff, I know you saw the end of this game. It's it's a, this is a best scenario for the Jets is losing, but the way this happened. So let me just set this up. They had played deep coverage the play before, and there was a penalty, and so Williams brought an all-out blitz with like what 15 seconds left, 
and they got torched by Henry Ruggs. Jeff, what what do you think about this whole situation? Is he the scapegoat? What what are your thoughts? Sorry, I'm going to be a conspiracy theorist on this one. I, I do think he's the scapegoat. Um, I know going back and watching uh, some highlights of the game, I know they did a zero blitz uh, earlier in the game, which Derek Carr kind of pressure was pressured and, and underthrew. I can't remember who it was. So it worked once, but that's not the time to do it. They're on the 50-yard line with 15 seconds left. Why are you throwing that out? I'm wondering if he found out before that game, which he probably should have already known, like, hey, you're not coming back next year. Like, we're trying to get the first, the first pick in the draft. Like, we cannot lose to the Raiders. Because w- what guy in his mind would throw that out, that, that, the zero blitz out at that time? And if you go back and watch the replay, they have a linebacker shadowing Derek Carr on a zero blitz. I don't know who that guy, but if you go back and watch it, there's just a dude shadowing, and then he just comes in. It's like at least five seconds, and then he, he, he runs in after. It's, it was done poorly. Clearly, they don't know what a zero blitz is. And you leave that poor rookie on rugs who runs a 4-3-40. It's, it's gross. And so when Jeff says zero blitz, it's it's true man coverage. There's no safety over the top. And, you know, blitzing on a Hail Mary type play isn't unheard of because, you know, the the biggest thing on a play like that is that it's slow to develop. You, you know, you have as a quarterback, you have to wait for your receivers to get, you know, downfield. However, they brought the house. You know, I understand if you want to bring four, even maybe maybe five guys. But this is just so poorly defended. First of all, why aren't your defenders just lined up on the goal line? You know, it it just is very puzzling. Now, on the other hand, though, what is the point of firing Greg Williams? So Adam Gaze, I assume, is going to be fired anyway. What what is the purpose of firing Greg Williams at this juncture? Especially as everybody knows how fiery Greg Williams is. He's had issues with, you know, Bounty Gate and everything his whole career. And he just really hasn't been effective in quite a long time. But what does it even matter, Jeff? Well, I think it's, I think maybe because that game was so close, I wonder if, I, I don't, again, conspiracy theorists, I'm wondering if someone's like, you got to do something to lose this game. I Didn't don't know they where. Did have a timeout left? I believe so. It, it's, it's, it doesn't so, like, make sense. Adam Gaze is not without blame here. You're the coach of the team. If you see that, why aren't you making noise? And I'm almost positive they had a timeout left. So you can certainly call a timeout. Like you can see what's happening in front of you. That is just an absolutely dysfunctional franchise. Um, It's interesting because, you know, the owner Woody Johnson has been an ambassador the last, you know, during the current administration, he'll be coming back soon. Would not be surprised if it's, you know, house cleaning time and they bring in a, a Harbaugh or file, you know, coach to, to turn this thing around with a, a new quarterback as well. They, they need someone um, because who wants to go play for New York? I mean, you ran Frank Gore, you know, the hundred year old Frank Gore into the ground. Who got concussed in that game. Yeah. I mean, the guy, he, he still can play. Don't get me wrong when I say this, but the dude's what, 38. Well, he should be getting 15 carries a game. You no, know, the what fact we, that he was the lead doing? back entering the game was ridiculous. Yeah, what are we doing here? Like, you're, you're, you're ending his... I mean, he could probably play another year if he wanted to, but you're just running the student to the ground. Um, and then, you know, <laughs> that zero, that blitz. Greg Williams, I mean, he's not he's not a terrible defensive coordinator. I wouldn't say he's the... You know, I think his better days are behind him. When, like, I just don't... I haven't seen him have a successful defense in many years at this point. 
No, but that's what surprised me. Um, not that he was great, not that he's great or anything, but just that he would call. It just seems like someone was in his ear saying, "You're going to call this." And then yeah, the, I mean, his point is like, okay, they fire me. I'm still going to get paid. I'm always going to get fired at, at the end of the year anyway. Yeah. And then, <laughs> so, right. It's like, who in their right mind, like I said earlier, like, you know who they have on the field. Henry Ruggs. That dude ran a 4-3-8. You know how fast that dude is. You know that your one cornerback has to cover him in this in, in the blitz. It just, it, of course he was going to get burned. At the end of the day, he did them a favor, and they're still leading in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. So, yep. no har- no harm there, anyway. Nope. Need to lose sleep any longer, Jeff. Break dancing has been added to the Olympics, and it's going to debut in Paris in 2024. All right. So the uh, IOC executive board um, approved break dancing, along with some other items, uh, skateboarding sport climbing and surfing i i feel like the olympics is just being completely watered down at this point that we have break dancing is now an olympic event you know you go back to those ancient times where it was about brute strength and athletic ability and now people are dancing jeff does is the olympics just going completely in the wrong direction here with with these sports oh 100 percent they're going in the wrong direction. Um, I don't understand the – they're trying to gain a younger audience. I have in the article in front of me with street dance battles being added. Um, I don't know of anyone you know, younger than me um, or even older than me that's into you know, this kind of thing. Um, it's very peculiar where they're getting this information. Who, who asked for this? I mean, Stomp the Yard came out, like, what, 12 years ago? Like, that's when street dancing was cool. It seems like, uh, from what I've read, is that this is very popular in Paris, like, as a street activity. So that's why it's debuting in Paris. But there are events now that people have no idea or even events. I I have to confess, I'm a huge Olympic person when it's on, you know, I'll literally watch it until, you know, three, four in the morning. I will just watch, you know, NBC has it on like six channels. I will watch any ounce of Olympics that I can. And you get to start seeing these events And every time I watch them, like, Oh, that's an Olympic event. What is that? I don't know the rules of that. And now we have break dancing. And I just, I'm speechless because we have competitions like baseball that are, are no longer, you know, part of the Olympics. You know, there's talks about how, you know, wrestling was going to be removed. And I, I just find it absolutely ridiculous that this is now what we're dealing with, especially when they're reducing the the competitions this year. I, I think it's partially COVID related that they're reducing, you know, some some of the weightlifting competitions um, and some other like, like canoeing and things I saw. But to then add breakdancing is just seems ridiculous to me. Oh, it's, it is ridiculous. I, I just how I want to know, and I, I tried to probably look this up before we started. How many countries have a team ready for this? I mean, really, it's only four years away, you know, three and a half years away. Like, how is this going to work? How is the scoring going to work? How, I, I just don't understand. I, I feel like something like this is such an obscure thing. How do you just throw this and like, okay, world, get your best street dancers? What, what a U.S. going to like grab people from Faneuil Hall, bring them to some training facility, see if they can cut it? Like, I, I don't, I don't get it. 
that should be I guarantee you it'll be the youngest judging panel in the history of the Olympics. That I oh, can yeah. tell you. It's gonna be a bunch of YouTube stars watching. <laughs> exactly. Also interesting. So the the Olympics are in Paris. Um, I mentioned uh, surfing was added, but surfing will be nine thousand miles away in Tahiti. So you know it's like okay, welcome welcoming ceremonies, and now we're gonna send you on the other side of the world for your competition. There are so many odd things uh, with this Olympics, Jeff. One other that caught my attention is there was some people that wanted parkour. <laughs> Another, this might even be worse than breakdancing. Although the athletic part of it is kind of impressive. It's just very informal to me. Parkour people wanted however there was a major group that actually urged the international olympic committee to reject its sport and it was indeed rejected but apparently there was a dispute with the governing body of gymnastics and they basically had the parkour earth the name of the group had stated that there was a hostile takeover by the international gymnastics federation so there's this at least you know i know we didn't have an olympics last year and it's being pushed but this is now four years away, and I'll tell you what, 2024 has uh, already got some interesting headlines. Oh, it's definitely very exciting. I mean, I'm not saying I'm a big – go back to surfing real quick. I'm not a big surfing guy, but when it's on TV, I watch it. I mean, it is incredible what they do. Sure. I don't think it's an Olympic sport. I, like you said, it's more of – Olympics is supposed to be, like, just, like, strength, agility, speed, like, you know, to show you are the like, – alpha male or female in the world kind of thing not dancing and I like, even surfing even much as i like it i don't think it's a sport it's not an olympic sport um i want a constant uh playing field too like obviously with surfing you're reliant on mother nature so that like i find that to be very odd it's, it's almost going to fall into that bull riding category where you have to grade the wave first and then you know it's kind of luck of the draw you know, as to what you get, which I'm not sure I'm a huge fan of for an Olympic event. No, and this is a, another thing I'm I'm not a big fan of. I, I so I do like the Olympics as well. I'll, I will watch it. It'll be on the TV constantly. I don't like how they're at, they add things every year. I it's just like that's just like football being like, oh, we're gonna play 16 games this year. Nah, eh, we'll play 10 next year. It's just like I don't like the constant like moving and shaking of things. Like just pick the sports, play them. If if there has to be a review process like let it be reviewed but it shouldn't be every olympics i feel like there's something being added something being cut it just doesn't make sense um just to your last point about the gymnastics and the parkour thing uh that is incredible i would love to see that battle um the amount of office memes office memes alone from parkour would have been fun for the olympics (laughs) yeah i was just gonna bring up the best they're gonna have to bring up steve carell and uh Rain Wilson for that because they are experts. Um, but the hostile takeover, how could wh- what could have happened there? I'm very interested to see what happened in that regard because I I don't know why gymnastics is trying to bury their nose into parkour. I feel like they already have a pretty broad scope of things going on already that they don't need to you know stick their nose into something that's more in the extreme sport category. Yeah, I mean I don't think most people. I mean, if you ask the the regular person out there, like, what are you watching Olympics? They're gonna say gymnastics. I like watching gymnastics. I like watching, you know, you know, hockey and you know all those things. They're not gonna be like, oh, parkour. I'm really in it for the parkour. 
like you, you have your own you have your like your your group your demographic just like leave them alone and back to the postponed olympics so the olympics were originally supposed to be in tokyo this year now pushed to 21 another sport that's making its debut in tokyo yeah. is three on three basketball here we go i i don't this i I'm, this actually has my attention because i don't know what to expect what so first of all if if this is how we're envisioning it right the U.S. is going to annihilate this, and it won't even be close. Like, we're going to have a couple, like, N1 mixtape guys out there just ruining people? Or is this going to be so watered down that it's terribly boring? Now, I, I don't know the specific rules for this uh, version of three-on-three basketball, but I, I'm very intrigued as to how this exactly is going to look. Yeah, me too. I mean, I don't know much about the rules. Are, are NBA players allowed, do we know? I'm going to say no. I, I would be shocked if there were any NBA. Definitely, There's definitely not going to be any active NBA players. I just don't see that as being a possibility, especially because the season is going to go probably late again. But I would love to, I would love to see some rec, like recent retirees. Oh. You know, like does like Vince Carter want a gold medal? You know, who else? Like some other, maybe some guys in their late 30s, perhaps. Maybe some guys that were just slam dunk specialists that are just gonna, you know, posterize some stiff French guy. Like what? What are we gonna see? I, I, that, this I'm actually interested in as long as it plays out as to how I see it in my brain right now. Yeah. So me too. I'm very excited. Yeah. I, I don't think NBA players should be allowed, especially because because I I only imagine like a LeBron Kawhi Durant team where they're just <laughs> all tall and, and fast and they can shoot from anywhere. It would just It'd be a joke. Um, I, I would like to see kind of like uh, from other countries, the people that, you know, if they're retirees, like who comes out of the woodwork, they're like, oh, my God, like Darko Milicek comes out of nowhere. And, you know, yeah, I'm on board with that. You I'm know, sorry, maybe. I need to leave my Civil War torn country from Eastern Europe to go <laughs> compete in three on three basketball. Maybe a Yao Ming sighting. Who knows? I mean, it, it could right, be like what what type of rule? Like, if it, is this gonna be like playground basketball? Like, what are you gonna call your own fouls? Like, I just I have so many questions about three out of three basketball. Maybe yeah. we'll maybe we'll dive in a little bit further and, and uh, revisit that in a future episode. Yes, we we have to. We have to we have to update get updates right. on this because this is exciting. That's a plan then. All right, Jeff, it's time for local sports. We haven't done any Bruins yet, so we're gonna dedicate some time to that right now. Um, I'm going to go a little bit out of order here. So first of all, we don't know when the season's going to start right now. The NHL is, uh, seems to be a little bit behind on uh, coming up with a plan. You know, the M- NBA is already um, flirting with a tentative date, but um, we still don't know about uh, the NHL season. The only thing I've heard, I think, is they're aiming towards a 56-game season. Uh, but the Bruins have already been, you know, making some moves uh, they signed Craig Smith, but one of their core players, Jake DeBrusque, has re-signed for two years. Uh, it's going to be a $3.675 million cap hit. DeBrusque, with, to me, is a very hot and cold player. You know, I think this is going to be a big year for him to kind of establish as to what type of player he's going to be going forward. Because I, I think he thinks, and the Bruins think, that he could be a top six forward. But to me, I, I'm not sure he's really demonstrated that. However, I will say he had a pretty, for a shortened year, 
he did have a pretty strong year. So I, I think they'd like to see DeBrus get into that, you know, almost 30 goal territory. But I think this is a good, good start that they and something they had to do. What do you think, Jeff? So I definitely think this is a big year for him. Um, DeBrusque really frustrates me um, because of what you said, the hot and cold aspect of it, because you can see the talents there. I mean, he has the speed. He can get around people. Um, he's just wildly inconsistent. I mean, he'll go he'll go cold for you know a couple of weeks, hot for a week. It, it just kind of bounces. Um, I know he's super superstitious uh, when it comes to things. So, like, if his routine gets knocked off, um, it, it's all head games with him. Um, so I was all right with him coming back. To be honest, I, if he didn't come back, I was I was okay with it too. Uh, I'm not sure if he would have been, you know, being a restricted free agent, I'm not sure anyone was ready to pounce on him and, you know, forfeit whatever, you know, whatever he would have been evaluated at. Right. Which they probably wouldn't. It just, I need to see more. This, like you said, this is a big year. It's a shortened season. He's like one of the younger guys. I mean, no matter if it's shortened or not, I, I heard today they're trying, they're looking around like the 13th or 14th to start the season. Um, but it's not, it's not definite yet but it's going to be 56 games like you said what i heard um so i mean even that he's he's gonna have to step up and these players are all getting older uh bergeron you know marsha Krejci, all them um so this will this will really show what we have um so we'll see i agree you know as you said the the youth is extremely important for a team like this and so i think that's definitely the right move and you know hopefully they can get some other younger guys. However, being up against the cap, I, I don't think that's going to be the case immediately. You're going to hope that maybe some of your younger guys, you know, end up making a contribution, maybe someone that even isn't on the roster, you know, day one, you know, and to transition on that thought of old, you know, Zidane Chara is still unsigned. Now, Don Sweeney says that he's been in constant contact with Big Z. Um, but, you know, I still think that, you know, with, even though they're not the same type of player with Krug's departure, I still think they need one more year out of Chara. And I would, you know, put him on, you know, a type of a, a minutes count, you know, because at the end of the year, I, I think that in past years, he's just, there's not much left, you know, he's gas. He's going to be what, 44 years old this March. I, I want him back for one more year. And, and I think the good thing is, is, that they he'll be very affordable at this juncture as well. Do you like, do you want him back Jeff or do you think it's over? So I want, I want Chara back. I don't think he should be on the first line though. No, absolutely. He's not the first pairing anymore. Right. Those days are done. So I don't, I don't, I don't want him to be coddled just because he's been here. I mean, I love the guy. I mean, what he's meant to the city, the team. I mean, so I think that makes me want him back. I mean, I think they do need someone, but, do they need him to per se? It's it's hard. I mean, I want him back, but I mean, I can kind of go back and forth on that. I really think what he's waiting for is to see where the season's going. I don't think you're going to be able to stick Char in a bubble. He can just probably walk off into the sunset. I don't think he's a big family guy. Um, you know, you always see those pictures of his family and, you know, even the charity events, you, you know, his family's always, you know, in tow with him. So I think he's going to come back to the Bruins. If there's short, no bubble, which I don't I, think there's going to be a bubble, but no, it's uh, not trending that way. You know, and you and I talked a little bit about, you know, some teams wanting to play outside so they could have fans and things like that. 
and you know I think certainly you're right that might have something to play into it as well I don't you know I don't know if he wants to go hang out in Toronto the whole season I do think the shortened season benefits him big probably more than anyone other than maybe the goaltenders um and the reason I think that he's even playing at his age even though he's slowed down this is the big benefit as I think his height is because even though he slowed down to a point where he's you know way behind from a speed level he just has that wingspan and that huge stick you know I I think that's one thing that's still you know being able to keep him competitive is you can just cover so much ground even though he can't move very fast true um yeah so when you say that it makes me you know go back to the side like yeah we definitely need him back I mean he's definitely good I mean McAvoy's you know raved and raved about what he's learned from Char and all that. I mean, he could have all the younger people behind him. Um, it also, like, in a spur of a moment, like, again, I don't want him on the first pair, but we all know McAvoy runs his mouth a little bit and gets gets smacked around, and sometimes he has to take a shift off or two. So for a guy to be able to throw a guy in there that you know can handle it, um, you know, in sparing moments in the, on the first line, I mean, that's, that's vital. So, it's yeah, I hope I see him back. Same here. Yeah, it, it, I definitely like to see him back for one more year on a very, very team-friendly deal. Yeah, so right. as we as we talked about a little while ago, they're they're pretty up against the cap. They have just under three million dollars in cap space. Thankfully, you know, if Z does sign, he's been on very team-friendly deals, incentive laden and such. But I, I still feel like they're one piece away um, from a forward perspective. Now. <laughs> I've joked about this before that the third line might be better than the second line right now. Um, but I feel like, you know, maybe they're missing that one veteran to fill out the roster. And so you look at some of the guys that might be available. A lot of these players are not available for the, what the Bruins have to spend. You know, you're, you're looking at older players like a, you know, a Corey Perry last season was a one and a half million dollar cap hit. That's somebody I think that would fit in very well, especially a veteran leadership um, type. Some of the other players are interesting as well. Um, I like Anton to see you a lot from the Red Wings. However, he ended up, I think, at Edmonton. But he still made $3 million. And I just don't know if the Bruins are going to be able to maneuver some of this money around. Another name that popped up that you and I talked about a little bit earlier Hosilia Kovalchuk, who just literally seems to be linked to the Bruins every time he becomes available again in the the recent years. Are there any of these veterans or low priced players that you think um, could be a good fit here, and any of them that you like more than another? So it's tough because you know you never know what you're going to get, especially the players you can see the the Bruins are on the list. You know, they're, they're very old, I guess you say, in hockey years. So it's, what are you going to get from them? If I had to go, I'm going to pick two. I'm going to be that okay. guy. I'd probably go with Perry or Kovalchuk. Um, I think Perry, in his, you know, early in his career, middle of his career, had a, an offensive upside to him. Now I know the last couple of years have been kind of on the downtick, but I think he can put enough on the board for a third line. Um, the same thing with Kovalchuk. Um, he just seems lazy. I, I, obviously, this is an electric player in his day, but he just strikes me as that lazy player that I just I don't see him fitting in here, whereas I think Corey Perry is the exact opposite. I think Corey Perry would fit in very well here. Do you, do you think, like, Kovalchuk is the type of player that could frustrate the Bergerons, the Charas, and 
can they make him work? So that, that's a good question. The the, the reason I, I said to both of them, um, so I, I do, he is kind of, he is that kind of guy. Corey Perry worries me because he's kind of got that kind of physical edge to him. And like, I'm the guy that loves the big hits. I love people get, you know, I loved Adam McQuaid back in the day, knocking people's heads off. But like, the NHL has gone in a different direction. I'm I'm done of these like gritty, tough guy, like a Nick Ritchie who's just useless. Get off my team, please. Yeah, yeah I don't. I don't, don't want to see either of the Ritchie brothers in the city ever again. No, I just had goosebumps even saying that name. But <laughs> so that's what that's why I did a one A one B because yes, Kovalchuk personality wise, I don't I don't know, but he's more of a finesse. Like he's not going to really throw throw the weight around too much, uh, where Corey Perry would. But I think Corey Perry is better off, uh, you know, offensive upside too. So, um, but yeah, I, I'm just I'm sick of Bruins being linked because they the first thing you see is oh it's a physical forward like I don't need a physical forward I need someone that can go around them. Now these old players aren't going to be that way, but yeah. So that kind of physical, as much as I love it, I just think that's the game's in a different direction. So I think Corey Perry too can kind of help out because. He would probably end up on the third line, but he can go back and forth if you need to. But I think more importantly is it, it then can give you some flexibility to move maybe one of those younger third line players to help fill in on the second line while they're trying to maybe figure out some of these combinations. So I think Corey Perry would be a good fit. Um, I don't know if he's interested in playing on the East Coast, so I guess that will be something to play out. But um, I think you're, you'll, I think we'll definitely see probably one, in a, you know, in addition to Char, maybe one more uh, offensive piece to be added. Hopefully. In sad news, uh, Johnny Boychuk had to retire due to an eye injury. This is somebody that was very well liked during his stay in Boston. Really hard to root against a guy like that. You know, I don't know anyone that disliked Johnny Boychuk. Just all around a solid player, it seemed like, on and off the ice. He did have a longer career maybe than some people might think. He is uh, 36 but he did have a fairly enticing contract. He was had two more years left um, as part of that seven-year, $42 million deal he had with the Islanders. But it's just unfortunate when a guy doesn't get to retire on their own terms, um, and especially something you know like an eye injury. It's it's unfortunate. Now, did you like Boychuk as a player, especially when he was here, Jeff? Oh, I love Johnny Rocket. He he was the best. I mean, he had the perfect balance. That, that's what I like to see in a defenseman. I mean, he could he could shoot. I mean, he wasn't he's no Bobby Orr or anything, but I mean, he could, he had a good offensive game and he he used to hit people. And that's what I that, that's where I want the physical side. I want my defenseman to be physical, not not up front. So he was perfect. I was when when he he was gone. It was the I was devastated. I was like, why why did he have to leave? Um, and then especially for this happened, I always rooted for him. I always checked the box score for the Islanders to see. Um, how he was doing. So it's one of those players, one of the few players uh, that's left any any New England team that I that I've always constantly checked on because um, none of them make usually that impact. But yeah, I loved his game. It was sad. Um, once that injury happens, I, I didn't think I thought that was it for him. Um, I didn't think it would be because he physically couldn't do it anymore because of the injury. I thought he would just be like, okay, I'm 36 and I'm done. It seems more like this was he had to a medical thing, which is, that's a sad way to go. Absolutely. We wish him the best luck in his retirement and hope he gets to enjoy himself. Of course. The G League has proposed a quarantine bubble and 
the Red Claws are poised for a G League championship, but they apparently are going to decline um, this particular opportunity. And Jeff, you know, the, the Celtics have a lot of players that kind of fall into that, but they have a lot of two-way players. Uh, they have some new draft picks. The uh, obviously popular Taco Fall, the star of the main Red Claws. What's your takeaway on this? Um, so I'm one of those people. I'm very upset. Uh, I thought that they were going to hoist a championship this year. Um, so I'm very bummed. I didn't. Think, I don't think the Celtics are going to hoist it this year. So I was really yeah, riding with the, with the claws to bring one home to Maine. Um, really, I think this is actually a smart move by the Celtics. Um, it looks like the NBA amended the two-way players to play up to 50 games um, with unlimited practice and travel. So, I mean, what what's the point of playing a 12-game G League bubble with a playoff tournament, which it didn't even specify what that tournament was or how it was going to play out? You might as well have these guys ready to go uh, in case, you know, injuries happen. Uh, so, I a, think good, pl- good play by the Celtics. That's a great point, Jeff. The, I, I think that is the exact – so, originally when I saw the headline, I didn't understand it. But what you just mentioned where the NBA amended the rules – for two-way players, there's just no point, especially because the Celtics have so many. I think they're going to have to rely on some of these guys, especially early because of the injury situation. So, you know, Taco Fall, Waters, Langford, Edwards, and then the rookies, you got Neesmith, Pritchard. They can all basically just spend almost the entire season now with the team. So uh, that ultimately, I think, makes sense. And that that's, I assume, why that decision was made. Unfortunately, I think it does penalize some players um, regarding a bonus. Um, the, the players that had the uh, the Exhibit 10 contracts, uh, like Emil Jefferson from Duke, they may not receive their $50,000 bonus once they're waived. But th- I think that's the only player that, that may affect on, on the team. But I, I think, as you mentioned, that's probably just the best move to keep everybody together. Oh, of course. I mean, especially with, you know, the Celtics how now. I mean, you got uh, Walker obviously down. You got uh, Langford that's hurt. So you're going to need these people around, you know, especially Pritchard and uh, Neesmith um, to you know fill in these minutes probably right away. They're probably from the get go. I mean, I guess Carson Edwards is there, you know, as well. I don't think Carson's very good. I think I was really excited we got him. You know, when we drafted him because I remember him at college. It was it was great to see the energy and just the poise he had but i didn't see that really in the limited time we saw him last year um so i guess he's there too so but yeah it was definitely a good call for sure and you mentioned some of the injuries the probably the second biggest injury aside from kemba being out is their shiny new toy tristan thompson brad stevens has now said that he's going to miss most of training camp with a hamstring strain now, you know, you see hamstring strain. I, I don't know if they're just being cautious at, at this point. And especially, this is a very short year as well. I don't know exactly how this injury happened or, you know, or when. But, you know, they certainly are going to, you know, start relying on, on these younger players now. Especially now you have a new player that's not going to be acclimated right away. Which brings us to the topic of who is going to start these games, Jeff. So with the injuries and players that we just talked about, the 
opening night roster or opening day. I forgot what time the first game is, but is going to look a lot different than probably what we see in the middle of the season. What do you like now? I've, everyone has an opinion. I, I've seen so many proposed lineups. Like there's no right or wrong answer. Do you have a lineup that, that you like as far as the starting lineup? So I, I have, I keep going back and forth on it. I think the Tristan Thompson thing was tough. Cause I, I thought he could, you know, be in the starting lineup day one. I don't know how severe the hamstring is. So it's hard to say, like, will he be able to? I mean, their first game is the 23rd, if I'm correct. So, I mean, he's he does have some time. really depends what that hamstring's looking like. Um, I think what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to be smart. Smart, Brown, Tatum. And then that, this is the tricky part. What do you do, you know, the power forward center uh, position? Uh, I'm assuming Tice will be in there. But I keep going back and forth on who would be the the, the forward position. Um, that's something I'm 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 not ready to say yet. My lineup we have to, may have to revisit this because it's it's it's, it's kind of hard how this lineup's constituted right now. What, what, what were you thinking? It is indeed. Uh, I I went a little bit of a different route to try and preserve the bench a little bit. So I actually went with Teague starting at point guard. So I'm leaving smart on the bench okay. just to kind of keep it like it was, you know, previously. So my thought would be Teague Brown, Tatum, Grant Williams, and Tice. That's, That's actually kinda, good. It's what, well, I, just because I, I th- especially at the beginning of the year, it's okay. I think to experiment with certain things. And I think, you know, bring Teague, I don't see a problem with throwing in right away. This is a guy that's been in the league. He knows what he's doing. And then Grant Williams, I they I think they like. And I think that he was becoming more comfortable. So th- that's kind of why I went that way, because that way you're preserving with, you know, with the other guys out, you still have Marcus Smart coming off the bench. Because my concern was if if you don't, if you had, say, Smart in there, then you're relying on on Teague. But there's no one after that you know you're gonna you're gonna probably gonna rely on uh, you know obviously Ojale a lot but you very well could see Aaron Neesmith I think very early in this season you definitely could I mean that's a good point with Grant Williams so he was the reason I was battling with my lineup because I like him off the bench the kind of spark he brings uh, yep. kind of like what you said to, to to smart to like you mean really like I said how 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 we're constituted this this line you know the the uh, the team right now with the injuries, it, he probably is the best bet to start. Um, I do love him off the bench though, but I mean that, that will change it. I don't foresee Thompson being out that long. Teague is a good one. Uh, Teague is a good one to start as well. Like you said, it's not a, it's what is eleventh year I believe, tenth year. Yeah, uh, so he's what thirty two years old. Thirty two. So, yeah. so he's not. You know what you're getting. Game. So I actually like that because it is good to have smart. You know, kind of anchor that that second unit. Um, that's a pretty good lineup. I just worry about Grant Williams. Who are you going to put? So if you start Grant, who's going to come in for him? So that's interesting. And it's, so they're a little bit – I know the NBA has gone smaller, but they don't really have that many guys that play that four. And so I wonder if maybe you see a combination of maybe a, a bigger lineup. So maybe maybe Robert Williams 
comes in the game. You may have maybe have Robert Williams and Daniel Tice in the game at the same time, possibly. Um, maybe you shift Ojale to play the four because they're you know him and Grant Williams are about the same size. They're those real. They're the Charles Barkley, you know that six six you know, 230 to 240 type power forwards. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to rely on on a combination of that. I, the NBA, I think, has just kind of gone away more so from you have to be this size to play this position. So I think you could see a lot of different combinations, and you're going to start to see maybe, you know, again, like you did last year, you could see Tatum at the four, and then you're going to see, you know, guys like you're going to see Romeo Lankford, you know, getting some – serious minutes possibly as well so i think it's going to be very interesting and i almost fortunate in a way because a lot of teams even if you're at full strength a lot of teams are trying to figure it out at the beginning of the year i think it might be nice to get you get a look at some of these players and how they play together definitely um you got to see what you have in your young guys of course i mean this team as we know keeps getting to the finals but they're not getting over the hump i mean they need help really probably what they need is another another superstar as we you know as we know everyone wanted hard and all that um but it'd be good to see if some of these younger guys they're kind of you know thrown into action like langford and he was you know most of the year he didn't play last year and um you know neesmith he's supposed to be the best you know the best shooter in this draft so it'd be good to see these guys out there early early often to see what you have Um, i agree so we're excited it'd be exciting season yes sir Onto the Patriots. The Patriots put an absolute beatdown on the Chargers. It's kind of hard to, you know, take away certain things, I think, from this game. It's, you know, you look at the score, 45 nothing, um, And I'm not really sure what to make of this because this, you know, obviously the Patriots played really well in all three phases of the game, but the Chargers just looked like they had no idea and that they didn't even have a coach. What, what do you make of this performance? Like, is this, how, how much are we going to, you know, take away from this? So, I mean, me personally, I don't feel much better after this game than I did before. I mean, yes, they did. The running game is great. I have no problems with that. I haven't had any problems with that. The line looks great. They're creating the holes. Even Sonny Michelle looked like a running back for once. Um, the special teams was great, uh, as we know. Um, we can talk more about that in a minute. But it, this offense, I don't care about, you know, I know he ran 14 times or 15 times for Cam Newton, but it's the passing. I think we talked about it on Saturday. The biggest thing is you, you got to they, – they do a lot of zone, zone blitzes too. Just throw it, you know, to the sides, let them run. But he just, he wasn't doing that. Um, and then Cam, he missed Demary, uh, he missed Bird deep. Bird, Bird that dude. And it couldn't get it to him. So it's, it's I'm still worried because you're not going to play Chargers the rest of the year. You know, you're going to play Jalen Ramsey in, in two days. You can't be throwing ducks out like that because he's, he's going to take them. So I don't really feel any better. Um, then I did come into it. I think they just got lucky. They played the Chargers this week. Yeah, I think they, ex- you know, I, I give them credit for executing their game plan well, and they did have a good one. And I think this has been one of Josh McDaniel's best years, I think, because they've really tailored these game plans to, you know, not that you don't 
make them specific to the team to your opponent, but just more so the way they operated on offense. So, and I'm not going to take anything away from Cam Newton because I, I, even though he didn't really throw the ball that much, I think he, he did exactly what he needed to do. You know, at the end of the day, he only threw for 69 yards. Um, they brought Stidman, who completed two yards for 61. Um, but th- this just seemed so severely outcoached. I don't know how Anthony Lynn is still employed as of today, to be honest with you, because this was the special teams in this game was this is the worst I have I have seen in a long time. I don't know if you recall years ago, the Patriots had played the Dolphins and the Patriots got the Dolphins special teams coordinator fired the next, you know, the the following day. This was up there with one of the worst team special teams performances from the Chargers that I have seen in a long time. And quite frankly, they can't get rid of the special teams coordinator because Anthony Lynn already demoted him like a, a week and a half ago, but he didn't fire him because he's a friend and a mentor. Like, what are you doing? This is, I, I don't understand it. This is so pathetic. And they have a great young quarterback and they left Herbert out there to just die. They could not do anything. He threw the ball 53 times and they only got 209 yards of passing. They could not run the ball. They have some great receivers and they just, this is a team that is in desperate need of new coaching staff. Oh, definitely. I mean, the fact that you let Nikhila Harry score a touchdown off you is just <laughs> disgusting. That's that that should the, measure, be, the measuring stick we're that's using. <laughs> that's not good. That's not good. Um, how Anthony Lynn has a job, I heard today that he's going to keep it till at least the end of the season, which just Shocking. floored me. Why? I don't Start understand. Now. Get started. Um, the special teams is terrible. I actually, I forget who does it, but it's those analytical nerds that we all. We all just love that sarcasm for anyone that didn't pick that up. They said that this Chargers team, as it's constituted now, with four games remaining, so it could get worse, in the last 20 years are the, are the second worst special teams unit ever, or in the last 20 years. The only one that's worse than them happens to be the 2010 Chargers. Ooh. So it's, it's, it seems to be a Chargers theme where you, you just don't have um, good special teams. Um, but to speak of special teams, I, I one one quick thing. Gunnar Oshevsky looked good returning punts. I don't care if it was a better special teams. That dude was moving and shaking and breaking tackles. Um, so I even think with a better special teams, I think he was going to have some good runs. That touchdown one he had, um, I don't know if you n- noticed it, but in the bottom of the screen, Justin Bethel popped that dude in the chest with a hit. I'm like, I'm waiting for the flag. I was like, oh, there it goes. Bring it back. Bring it. I, I was panicked for a solid 15 seconds till I didn't see it pop up on our screen. But um, Bethel yeah. had an excellent game, by the way. It, you know, Justin Bethel has always been in that. Not, you know, Matt Slater is kind of alone in the league, but Matt's, uh, but Justin Bethel had always also been the perennial Pro Bowler for the you know special teams player. I, I was kind of hard on Bethel when he got here because I thought he was making some mental mistakes and things, but. He's gotten better, and I thought he was excellent in this game. Um, you know, on the the covering kicks and and all of that, yes. he made a great play. I think it was at the goal line, kept one out of the end zone, also, and obviously he sprung that as well. Yeah, I mean, nothing. I mean, shout out to so Bethel did very good, but even Bailey, Jake Bailey, put them in. You know, he those did were crisp. I mean, he's doing. He's having a good year. I think he's averaging like fifty-one point two yards a punt. Like he's kicking it. He's kicking it with accuracy. Um, which I think this is. This is another thing that separates the Patriots from the rest of the league. You know, they may be suffering 
on offense. But when you look at the, you know, Bill always preaches all three facets of the game. And I know people get tired of that sometimes, but if you look at the consistency of the Patriots special teams over, you know, Bill's tenure here, it's very rarely, you know, been talked about in a negative way other than, you know, the kicker. And that's just, it's a luck of the draw, but they're just so well coached, even with, you know, turnover at the special teams, you know, you lost Joe judge and they've still been fantastic. And I just think that's something that's not talked about enough is how well coached they are in special teams. Oh, their special teams is fantastic. I mean, I'll, I'll say this to the day I die, that 2018 Super Bowl against the Rams, Ryan Allen was the MVP. I yeah. don't care what anyone says. People are like, oh, punter can't be MVP. No, he he's the reason they won that game. He was phenomenal. I was bummed when he left, but Bailey's been just a stud. Um, Cam even noticed. He taught him how to dab, I saw yeah. on the sideline. Well, Cam's got plenty of... Uh, Time to do that because he's not throwing the ball, so his arms are n- nice and nice and ready to go. They uh, are. Oh, I could go on for days about Cam Newton. I, I'm so sick of seeing someone f- throw for under 100 yards. I, I like get I'm it, but that you know, it, it's frustrating. But at the end of the day, like that was the right, that was the right game plan. They didn't need to throw the ball, and they also got got stid in, get some nice reps. You know, I think it was nice for him to get in, enjoying the action as well. Yeah, but what what worries about Newton because he keeps he's not getting the repetitions he needs a passing game. What happens if say Thursday, say we go down twenty one nothing and we need to start throwing the ball? What are we gonna do? Quarterback change. <laughs> I think it's it's on the table. Yeah. You know, I, I they're they're when they're in control, Newton running is exactly what they need to do because it controls the clock and it utilizes the run game, which is what they do excel at, whether, you know, whether it's Cam or Damian Harris, that's when you don't have anyone to throw the ball to, this is the offense you have to run. And so to, you know, to your question, if they do get down, I would not be surprised if you saw a quarterback change, even if Cam, you know, was serviceable, I could very well see them bringing in Stidham if they want to sling the ball around. I could see that happening. They need to, they need to have some, a, a backup plan. Cause Although I do agree with you, that was the right game plan. It's you need to have a quarterback that can throw the ball, no matter sure. what the situation is. So they're going to play the Rams this Thursday. Mm-hmm. I think this will be a very interesting game, and I think this is kind of be a turning point. You know, obviously at this point, all of these games are important because of the way the the playoff picture is currently configured. They basically need to win out. You could, you know, you might be able to lose one of these games, but the way it, these other teams are winning in front of you, you really have to win out to have a chance here. And mm-hmm. it, it, and if you do, it actually does play in your favor. Even though right now they're about 21% odds to make it, they have to play a lot of these teams, and some of these other teams have to play each other. Um, you know, in in particular the the Dolphins. I think Buffalo is pretty much wrapped up the division, but. The Dolphins, obviously, you're going to need to take care of them, and they're ahead of you right now. But I also don't trust teams like the Colts. And, you know, right as of right now, you're going to have a tiebreaker over the Ravens. So, you know, if they, they're they very much in this, and it, it, if they can win out. Now, the Rams are very hot and cold. I, I, this is a team that I don't really know what to expect. They're 8-4. and four. They've been yep, very good. At, they've been very good at home. I think they've only lost once at home this year. This game is going to be Thursday at 8:20 on Fox. Now, Goff has had a better year this year. I think they 
are they've kind of hit a groove. You know, they had a little bit of a hiccup a couple of weeks ago, but I, I think they're kind of hitting a groove right now. And I think I'll, this is basically the season, I think, because if they lose, I think you're done. But if they win, I think this gives you a lot of momentum going forward, especially when you evaluate the, the schedule coming up. What do you like about this game? And what do you what are you scared of as far as, you know, what you see from the Rams as well? So I'm definitely more scared about things than I am uh, optimistic for. I mean, of course, the, the Patriots are going to have to rely on the run game as they have all year, but you got a, a man named Aaron Donald in the middle. How are they going to contain him or try to contain him uh, will be a big thing. Um, I'm optimistic to see really, you know, Nikhil Harry. I know it's going to sound weird, but, you know, he had that touchdown. He didn't commit any penalties last week, so he's he's on he's on my good boy list for the week. I want to see what he can do. You know, this is a pressure time now, like you said. If they lose, it, it, it's statistically it's very probable it's over. Season's done. They they really need to win out. I think even like they'd have a lot of dominoes would have to fall their way for them to lose one and still make it. Um, so I'm excited to see the kill Harry. I'm excited to see how this running game. Um, and just the overall pressure. How is this team going to handle the, a must-win situation? It's a do-or-die. So, I'm a little worried. Now, you mentioned Aaron Donald. And although the Patriots effectively ran the ball against the Chargers, I don't think it was a great game for the right side of the line. And someone that we've been heaping praise on, uh, Mike Unwenu, I don't think he had a great game. And quite frankly, I'm actually worried that Chuck Mason may be hurt again because I, I don't something did not look right. And so I think this is a bad time to have the right side of your line banged up because those have been historically this season, those have been your best run blockers. Um, Shag Mason does appear on the injury report as questionable. It looks to me like he was having some sort of lower body injury and he's obviously missed some time as well. I don't know specifically um, because I don't see it listed on here as far as what his ailment is. Um, I think that's going to be something to watch. And I wouldn't be shocked if for some reason he was out this week. They do need on Wendy to bounce back this week because I think he's imperative to what they want to do running the ball. The, um, in regards to the rest of the health of the team, I think everyone was back at practice, which is good. Uh, I believe the only players that are ruled out uh, or the only player really of significance that really hasn't played much anyway is J.J. Taylor is ruled out, I believe. But other than that, it's the same stuff we saw before. And Nick Folk has had some back trouble. Uh, Ryan Izzo's had a <laughs> literally everything. I don't know if you saw their injury report. Head, it's shoulders, knees, and neck, toes. Hamstring. It's his neck, <laughs> hamstring, hand, like literally every part of his body. Um, Frankenstein. Newton has popped up with that abdomen injury. I hope that's not significant. He did look okay. He looked. Uh, he did look very comfortable running the ball. So mm. that made me feel a little bit better. J.C. Jackson got hurt in that game. They're listing it as a hip, but he did practice, so that I think that's good. Um, so I think they're relatively healthy, which is a good sign. I just I am a little worried about the right the right side of the offensive line, and and hopefully they could keep that continuity because I think that's been their probably their biggest. Uh, asset this year is is the offensive line right no that i mean that's crucial for them to have success you know, that offensive line needs to play well and, and be as healthy as you can be at this part of the season um i think the jacks jackson's injury jackson and jones actually 
uh, worry me, you know, because Jackson had the knee injury going into the Chargers game, and now it's a hip. Yeah. And that play, he kind of limped off. It, he kind of landed weird. Um, they need him to, I mean, obviously play well. Um, he's been the most consistent cornerback we've had. Um, and, you know, John, Jonathan Jones, of course, is very important. It's worrying me all these knees you see, like uh, Jakob Johnson with the knee. Because, I mean, he's been playing very well. Um, I mean, he's got blown up a couple times, but, you know, Bill loves his fullbacks. And I, I would say he's a solid NFL fullback. I mean, he's he misses some things. I think he's um, been good, especially from where he came from. I think he's been quite serviceable. I mean, obviously, you're used to, like, James Devlin. But I, I saw some really good blocks from uh, Johnson, especially around the goal line. And so I thought he looked – he did look good and made some crisp blocks. Um, in, in regards to the – the Rams injuries, uh, Cam Akers was listed uh, as questionable, but McVay said that he was going to play. That was a shoulder injury. He expects him to play. It looks like the only pl- significant player that may not play is Michael Brockers, the defensive tackle. Um, he was listed as a non-participant. Other than that, it looks like th- they're fairly healthy as well. So I, I think you're going to, you know, I think you pretty much know what to expect. And obviously if, offense everyone's going to be looking at at Aaron Donald you know yeah and Brockers would be that'd be huge for the Patriots for him to be out um that's a guy that can disrupt not not you know not to the amount that Aaron Donald does of course he's no Aaron Donald but he's definitely a factor uh, in the middle of their defense so that would be a, a big bonus uh for the Patriots because I'd like to see they're gonna have to run a lot I mean Jalen Ramsey's out there they, they have a good pretty decent secondary so running back is going to be yes. uh, vital. I'm hoping now, don't shoot me for saying this. I'm not saying that I want them to become this, but I want them to become uh, Harris and, and uh, Michelle. I want it to be like a Chubb hunt scenario, like two backs that you can rely on, you know, save them, save their legs. Um, so I want to see this kind of tandem situation. But so I, I don't want them to get blown up tomorrow. Oh, Thursday, excuse me. I don't want I don't want Michelle to go back on IR because he gets smashed by by someone because the Lions not playing well. So um, I'm excited Absolutely. for that part too. Yeah, and I think it is important because you know I don't it's not fair to Damian Harris to you know hand it off 30 times either like a, you know like Derrick Henry or uh, Dalvin Cook some of these guys you know get because yeah. this is someone that's still working his way you know into a full time role as well. Right. So I think I think it'd be a lot to ask for him at this point. Yeah, then obviously Barkhead's out, so it does fall to Michelle to be that you know guy to you know absorb some of these snaps. Um, in, in regards to the wide receiver Julian Edelman, it does not look good. So we were, I feel like we were made to believe that Julian Edelman was close to returning, especially with the recent um, addition to the COVID list. It, it to me, it you know it was it sounded like. Oh, maybe Julian is not coming back now because he's on the only because he's on the COVID list. When now we're hearing that he is still weeks away from returning after that knee procedure, this is starting to concern me now. Now, you and I talked about before about you don't want him out there hurt because he's it really doesn't no. like he's not he doesn't serve as a decoy. It doesn't really work when he's not hurt. He's excellent. He was great in the Seahawks game early in the year. But it was abundantly clear that, especially when he wasn't even being targeted, that he wasn't couldn't get open and he was not healthy. I don't want him back if he's not healthy, but this is not looking good. And 
he's not getting any younger. What do you make of this? So I, I want to really know what happened with this this surgery. So how it was portrayed in the media, at least what I read, um, was it seemed like this was a minor knee procedure. Maybe there's some swelling in there, discomfort, something you, you go clean out real quick. You're out for three to four weeks and you're back. Uh, it didn't seem like anything severe. Um, and here we are at end of the year. He's missing. Um, you would think by now if there was some sort of infection or complication, that usually gets out pretty quick, especially in, in, in this sports town. Like we, we know in, when every player sneezes. So I feel like Julian Edelman, the golden boy, um, we would know that happens. So it's, it's very confusing um, what's going on. I'm wondering if he's playing this off like he can't go because he doesn't want to get hurt. You know, he thinks this team's going nowhere. Why am I going to waste, you know, my body or hurt hurt myself even more? Um, so it's it, a lot of more a lot more questions than answers. But it'd be interesting if we do find out after the season what actually happens. I would love to know because you know they're very tight lipped there, as we know. And just to kind of compare this to Kemba Walker, where we know everything that's gone on. So, you know, with, with Kemba Walker, he's getting a Synvisc injection. He's getting a platelet injection. We haven't heard any of that. All I keep hearing about Julian Edelman is that, as in you referenced, a procedure, a procedure. Like, I, I just wonder at this point, you know, the guy has played long enough, in this long, I wouldn't be surprised if he's just got some sort of bone-on-bone, you know, situation at this point, and he's just trying to manage. Because there, at this point, I, I just don't see anything getting better and at this point you're just managing the condition right at his age oh yeah definitely i mean th- there's no turning back now i mean whatever whatever has gone on and i know he's sacrificed he's played hurt before but you know when you get to this age he's 34 now this comes back to bite you what, what you did early in your career it comes full circle so you know those injuries that took him two weeks to recover take him probably double um it just seems it just how like i said how it was portrayed like it just, I was like, oh, okay, you know, he's not playing well. He's playing hurt. He doesn't look good. Let's get him this surgery. Maybe he'll come back in a couple of weeks and feel better. But now here, and then you see the COVID thing. Okay, maybe because I thought after the COVID list he was coming back. I, I, I didn't did think too. there was there was no more weeks. I thought he would have been back if he didn't wasn't on the COVID list. That was my because, impression as well. Because right, and how it was written or or talked about, that's what it sounded like. Oh. He was just going to come back. Um, so I don't know what's going on. I don't know if he's trying to play one more year. Maybe he wants to go play with Tom Brady. So he's kind of faking this a little bit, saying, I don't think I can go back out there. Or something went horribly wrong, and not horribly wrong, but something went wrong and a complication and a major setback happened. I hope that he does come back this year or he maybe feels well enough to give one more year. I just think it'd be sad that this is the way that Edelman goes out in front of an empty, you know, an empty stadium or whatever. I just, I think he deserves better than that, but you know, this can be a cruel sport. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think Belichick loves him, loves, you know, the fire that is always, he bring, you know, it brings every week. I feel even though he, you know, he is on the decline. Let's, let's be honest. I mean, I know yeah, it was injury, but some of it is just age. He's on the decline. I think, regardless, I th- I think Bill would bring him back next year to kind of have his final 
if, if, if next year, if he was thinking next year would be his last, I feel like Bill would bring him back. Just let him have that kind of final go around, even if maybe, maybe he wasn't worth it anymore. Um, Cause I, I would like to see him go out with, a, you know, you know, Gillette rock and um, cause he deserves that. He, yeah, I think he's we, vital. So I think we all would. That's something we'll definitely keep an eye on in the coming weeks. Oh, of course. We want to let everybody know that we're going to have a Saturday Facebook live event. This is something we're going to do on a regular basis. So this is going to run on Facebook live from 8 PM to 9 PM uh, this Saturday evening. And, you know, we'd love to get engagement from all of you. Please feel free to visit us on Facebook. There is an event on Facebook created for it. You can submit questions or comments, anything that you want to talk about. We definitely would like it to be interactive. It's going to be all about sports and any anything you want to talk about in regards to sports. You can hop on with us. We'll be there live, and we would love to see everybody there. Jeff, uh, anything that you wanted to add? No, I'm just saying I'm looking forward to Saturday um, and, and the questions. You know, like, like you said, it's it's agenda free. So anything you have questions on, um, unless they're soccer, you might have to send them to to Brad's way a little bit because I'm a soccer noob still. I'll get better at that. But uh, just just bring your questions and, uh, you know, we'll talk maybe a little past maybe because they're going to play again before. Um, but yeah, look forward to it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Also, shout out to our sponsors again, Today Fortis and Jalen's Cafe. We appreciate everybody. Thanks, everyone. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get...